Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Mark. Welcome back to Bench Units. I'm joined by James from a sketchy Premier Inn hotel room. How's it going, man? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I'm hoping your Wi-Fi is going to hold up on us throughout this episode. Oh, I really hope so. I really, really hope so. I'm worried. <laughs> While we've got you for definite, do you want to intro our guest? Yes. Would you like me to steal the intro you've written? Yes, I would like that. Okay. So we are joined by our first ever Spanish guest, despite the fact that all we really do is talk about the Spanish league. Uh, we're quite biased in that direction. Um, maybe the best known by his nickname player anywhere in the world. Uh, and the first person to ever say big fan when we reached out to them. Benjo Ortega, welcome to the podcast. Up, guys. Thank you for being here, man. And thank you again for saying big fan when we reached out to see if you would want to do this. That's now the gold standard for anyone who wants to come on the podcast now. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I'm sure there's a lot of us. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like, I don't know if it's more polite to mean it or to not mean it and say it, but I love it either way. Like, this is all of this is for ego. Like, when people are like, why do you do the podcast? Saying it now is because, it's because of me. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give a couple of quiz questions. So before we dive into it, quick question that James alluded to. You're on Zoom here under the name Ignacio Ortega. Where does Pincho come from? Oh, such a long story. Uh, well, when I, was, when I was born, it was uh, October, so the, the heating was on all the way. Right. And uh, I don't know if James can tell you more about this, but there's uh, like a little food in Spain that we call pinchos, sure, which sure. is like small portions yeah. of... Um, it's like meat mixed with bread and a bunch of things. You can you can do a lot of things with it. And it was really hot. So at the end of the day, when visits were done, uh, I was so hot because uh, the heat was on all the way in the room. And uh, I looked so red that my mom said I looked like a little pincho. And I was, uh, I was, just, I was just ready to eat me. Oh, that's that's great. I'm, I'm a big fan of nicknames as long as people know the story behind them. Or like... I. I don't like it when nicknames get given and then forgotten why, and I don't like it when people have nicknames and then when you ask why that is, people say it just is. That really annoys me. So I'm so I'm so glad you had the story here because we would have got off to a bad start otherwise. So, James, you, you want to go with our standard intro? Yes. So talking about getting off to a bad start, no, I'm joking. Um, the... <laughs> Uh, standard question we ask everyone, and we will ask you the same question: Is how did you get started in wheelchair basketball? Um, I started wheelchair basketball. Uh, well, I started adaptive sports with uh, a foundation that does uh, a bunch of all kinds of adaptive sports here in Spain. It's called Fundación Tambien. So, uh, since I was born with a disability, my parents uh, really got uh, you know informed and uh, tried to reach out to a couple of uh, foundations and people that they knew. Uh, in order to, you know, to get me in contact with sport, of course, without knowing that it would get this far, but uh, yeah, just to, you know, get me active and see, you know, see what, what was out there. So we got in contact with uh, Fundación Tambien and uh, they were super nice. And uh, I started doing rowing when I was around a year and a half years old. Uh, my parents took me out to uh, Rio de Sella, which is uh, up in Asturias. And it was, it was super fun. I think my dad was saying I was uh, rowing backwards. So that's, that's a good start to my sporting career. I think you uh, mentioned, right? <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta give it a double effort for my dad. I gotta get him stronger. <laughs> uh, yeah, then uh, little by little, I was trying out new things. I tried uh, skiing, I tried tennis, and then when I was around uh, nine to ten years old, I tried wheelchair basketball, and I totally fell in love with it. Uh, 
And, you know, little by little, you get you start playing uh, more professional and it starts taking up a little bit more time. And, uh, you know, now I'm here. Yeah. Sure. And in those uh, in those early days of playing, who were your first sort of influences, whether that was coaches or players when you first started? Who did you look up to? Uh, I have some great memories of uh, Terry Bywater and Sean Norris. Uh, at the time, yeah. my first year too, uh, I think it was my second year of playing wheelchair basketball, I joined the, the school of Filunian, which used to be Fundosa Once. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was Sean Norris and Ball Terry Bywater at the time. It was, uh, it was a little, a couple of years ago, I'm sure Terry will remember, but yeah, I was a little, I was a little fat ball and uh, mm. just running on the chair and I remember they used to come to training sometimes and show us, you know, uh, kind of, you know, be an influence to the to the young guys, and I have some great memories of them, you know, trying to trying to teach us and play with us. Okay, so that was around '09, right? That was yeah. Okay, oh, cool. Something like that. Mm-hmm. You, oh, nice. You fell in fell in the deep end of influences on your game, right there. Not normally <laughs> when we ask people this question, they're normally like, "Oh, well, there's this guy who plays at this small club back in the town where I'm from." Nobody yeah, started off big. <laughs> you skipped that whole step, man. You were just like, yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I want to be like Terry. Give me the ball. I want to shoot. <laughs> Forget about all the picking. Let me shoot. <laughs> That's working. But you you fell into, like you say, Lunion from um, really early days, or Fundos Anthe, as it was called at the time. And you're obviously, the whole reason we've got you here is you're about to go to the Junior World Championships. You're a pretty young guy even now, you, and it feels like you've been around forever um, in terms of how long you've been playing with Alunion and whatever else. What do you think it was about your development in kind of your early days coming through as you described yourself as a little fat ball there to getting yourself ready to play in kind of the top division in one of the best leagues in the world? How did that happen so quickly for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm incredibly grateful to uh, to have grown up in uh, such a good team and around such good players. I mean, when I was 15, I made the the pro team, and actually started practicing with uh, with all the guys in the team uh, every day. And you know, that's when Ale, Pablo, and all the Bill and all the big guys were there. And you know, it's it's hard at first. It's not for everybody. You know, sometimes they say that big teams like that can either make you great or or destroy your career. So. Uh, I think it was great for me. I think, you know, the first couple of weeks were hard. I'm sure I got a, a couple of slaps in the back of, a, of the neck uh, for messing up a lot. But, you know, you learn. And I know that all they did was was from from love. And they, they also wanted me to, to you know, to be like them and to be great. So I'm thankful to to all those guys who, you know, I'm sure I wouldn't be them, be here without them. Yeah. Doesn't sound like Terry at all coming from a place oh, of yeah, love. Absolutely. No, he's a lovely guy. He never <laughs> says anything bad. <laughs> uh, but, well, he, he came on and said plenty of bad things about me live on a podcast. <laughs> so. Although he also said at the end of that podcast that he thought Pincho was going to be the next best player in the world of the following yeah. generation. So you... yeah, he always tells me he's like, "I yell at you because I love you. If I didn't care about you, I wouldn't say a word." So I just know that. And you know, I he's he's been great since the beginning. He's always you know trying to get you know kind of small talk me. And you know, if there was a big argument or I didn't understand something, he would always like come to me. And you know, that's that's what that's how you know it's a big influence. You know, when uh, when the people aren't looking or something, the people, the ones that come up to you and actually show you how to do things, those are the ones that really want you to be great. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And were there, was there a moment that you realized like, oh, wow, I'm growing up in maybe one of the, the best team in Spain or one of the best teams in the world? Or like, was that early on? Were you aware of how lucky you were to 
I say lucky, how fortunate you were to be around these guys from an early age or did it take you a minute to kind of grow up and realize just what had happened? Because I guess if that's your first club, that's kind of what you, that's how you think it works, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I realized from the first moment I got there, you know, from watching, because when I, when I first joined the team, it was right after Rio. So it was 2016 uh, when I joined the pro team. And so I watched the whole Paralympics and I watched, you know, uh, how the Spanish guys got to the finals and, you know, how, how GB played their heart out and, and how, you know, I kind of fanboyed over them over the summer. And then I got to play with them in a, a couple of months later. So I was, you know, incredibly thankful and glad. And, you know, it really showed, I mean, after, I think it was uh, on that December. So after like four months of training with the, with the Lunum guys, I had like a under 18 Spanish tournament thing. And my basketball got so much better just from that. So, you know, sometimes you think, not good enough or it's not really working, I'm not doing anything. Uh, and then, you know, you really see your improvement and that's when, you know, it's it's all working and little by little, they're making you into this uh, great player. Sure. sure. I, I think it's, that's a really interesting point because I think, like you said, like James says, in a big established club full of world-class guys, it's mm-hmm. almost more difficult to measure your progress day by day because the standard you're playing against yeah. is so high, whereas... I think you see guys who join maybe smaller clubs and have an easier route to you know, playing time or getting the ball more and taking more shots. And you see them progressing, you know, more game to game or year to year or whatever it might be. But I guess in your case, you kind of have to hold out and play the long game a little bit and be like, I'm going to get to this under 18 tournament and that will be my measure of how how I've improved because you're obviously not, in your first season with the senior team, you're not getting consistent court time or whatever. So did you find that difficult to deal with when you joined the, as you put it, the pro team and, you know, you go into a very small role and you're just having to maximize the minutes you get? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was very difficult. So, you know, when I went to Alabama first and um, I started playing college and I came from Illunion and I think I had two seasons in Illunion. So I went to Alabama when I was 17. So, I still wasn't, you know, that big of a role player in Illunion. I was still learning a lot and being a, uh, one of the young guys, although I was getting a couple of minutes a game and uh, had some uh, good games. But, you know, going to Alabama and being, uh, you know, having a lot more responsibility and also with the U23s, you know, going um, every couple of uh, months to camps and actually having to do, you know, all the things that they taught me, I actually have to do it in game and with a lot more responsibility. So, you know, it's, it's about adapting. You know, this sport is all about it, you know, uh, I guess able body basketball is more, you know, showing off your own skills. But in wheelchair basketball, there's so many different lineups that you can fit in and so many roles you can take that you have to adapt. So, you know, I think the the best players are the ones that learn to do that the most. Sure. So, you know, I think it was good for me to kind of be on the on the low end of, of playing time and kind of on the lower skill level and got to learn. And then having, you know, more responsibility and a little more spotlight when it comes to the U23s or Alabama or, or the U18s. Yeah, that and do you think all the different roles you had at all those different teams within a short period of time has kind of prepared you for where you are now in terms of like you've come and you've played some sort of secondary role stuff for the Spanish team and then obviously Madrid last year with Asier out you were kind of given the ball a little bit and you had to do that and then obviously you're going to the U23s now and you're going to have a lot of responsibility do you think all of those experiences in such a short period of time 
prepared you to just be able to roll with anything and, you know, play on the dive one minute and play perimeter based next minute or didn't end that question, yeah. question mark, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the first things that the, that the twins, the Sarsuela teams taught me when I was, you know, when I first got into practice, they were like, you need to learn how to pick before you start doing anything in basketball. Before you take a pick up a basketball, you need to learn how to pick and, um, you know, let her to move your chair. And they told me that even when they were my age, they used to play in like tiny chairs that were made for like two O's or one fives. And until they got, you know, the hang of it and actually started picking, they didn't grow. And now look, they're one of the biggest three O's in the, in the world. So, yeah. you know, they, they really made it a point for me to learn the basics and uh, get started on the, on kind of the unnoticed stuff in order for me to, to move up into a, a higher role or, you know, something more of like a ball carrier stuff. And then I think it also helped me uh, kind of understand other people too. When I see freshmen coming in on Alabama, you know, I, I was in the same spot, you know, where I felt inferior or I didn't train at uh, such a high level until I got there. So I think it was good for me to, you know, learn what, what helped me and, uh, you know, what, what I learned from the other guys at Illunion or the national team. And I kind of pass it on to the, to the, to the new guys that I see coming into my team. Sure. I can't, the whole time you were talking there, I can't picture anything other than but the Zazuela twins pushing around in like tiny yeah, chairs. The big ponytail they had too when they were young. <laughs> I'm sure they both kill for a ponytail now, man. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. That, here, here's a here's an interesting question. Of all those guys that influenced you growing up, all the sort of great players that you saw growing up in Illunion, who do you think your game is most like, if any? Hmm. It's a weird one. I don't know if there's an answer for that. I don't have an answer. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be like Michael Jordan and say, you know, I'm not the next <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I'm Michael Jordan. No, no but um, yeah. I think I try to take a little bit of uh, of everything. Uh, you know, of course, uh, there were so many different aspects of the game. I think Ale Farpola has the best defense I've ever seen. Uh, and then Terry's incredibly sure. offensively talented. And, you know, he can score however he wants or he can pass the ball however he wants so uh, i try to pick up a little bit of of everything but i think the one that i most look up to uh, in terms of that is bill uh, i think his work ethic has made him the player that he is today you know i've heard some stories of when he came when he was also like 17 18 year old when he came to uh, andalucia first and he didn't speak a word of spanish which i'm sorry bill but he hasn't improved that much either for 20 years and i think he's you know he's I heard he put in all the, he was the first one to go in the gym and the last one to leave. And you can really see that, that, you know, it's not only talent, but he's worked his, his butt off every day and made him the player that he is. So I try to be as much as him as I can. Yeah. A, a sort of alley on defense, Terry on offense and Bill work rate get a player. Well, that'd be a pretty good basketball player. So <laughs> for sure. Yeah. If you can take a little, you can build that in the lab. You do. Yeah. Okay. Uh I think it, it's an interesting point, though, that you say you don't want to be the next of anyone because as the Junior Worlds is coming up, which we'll get to in a little bit, but I think we're starting to see now in the wheelchair game a generation of guys who are coming through uh, yourself, kind of, Amit Vigoda, maybe. Um, Fabian Romo is another one I always think of, although he's a little bit older. But I think we're starting to see a generation of guys who are not a true copy of anyone and are more kind of the middle ground of a few players. I don't know if it's because video is more available and people are watching more footage or whatever than always used to be the case. But yeah, I think from having watched you, you've kind of developed 
from, like you say, playing a smaller role, being low on the food chain at Illunion, to now what you're doing with kind of your Alabama team or your under-23 team. You've got the different elements to your game. And I think the world's only going to carry on going that way, particularly in the terms of the high point players. I don't know if that's a pattern you guys. Have yeah, started, I mean, but... like we, like I said, it's all about adapting and you know taking your strengths and pushing them to the max. I mean, of course, I'm not going to be as good a shooter as Terry is, but you know, I try to implement something of, of my game that you know of his game that I can fit into mine and you know learn from that. So you know, it's about adapting and showing you know giving all giving all your strengths and putting them all together in the team. Like a lot of things have changed in basketball before, you know, the three O's used to be always the sitting the highest. Now there's, you know, you have Tommy Bowman, who's like a hundred percent a shooter. You have, you know, faster guys that sit lower and just play defense. Like, you know, like, like nothing. So, you know, I think it's about what the lineup needs and what each player has to offer. And I think on that kind of note, there's obviously, You've taken the steps, as you've mentioned about Alabama, you've taken the steps to develop your game in the States, which is not the most common path for players coming from Europe and particularly from countries where the domestic leagues are strong. Um, What was your kind of reasoning for pursuing that path rather than already being, like I say, you're in the pro setup in Illunion, you presumably could have stayed there more years and, you know, used your junior bonus while you still had it in Spain and, you know, played at less points and whatever else it might have been. So why was Alabama the choice for you at that point uh, in your life? I've always been a big fan of uh, of the U.S. and, uh, you know, how they treat especially student athletes. And, uh, you know, I didn't have much idea of what, what I was going to do, but when they contacted me and offered me to go check out the school, they give you like a recruitment trip, but they take you around the university and kind of show you the facilities and, uh, you know, how, how everything works. So at that point, I didn't really know what I was going to do. But, you know, when I went to the recruitment trip and they showed me, you know, they just built the arena, which is, you know, just for wheelchair basketball, just for the man and the woman with a huge gym, the locker rooms and everything. And, you know, I just I thought it was a great place to grow. Of course, you know, those couple of years in the union helped me out a lot in learning the fundamentals. But I think that if I wanted to take the next step, I need a bit more responsibility and time to work on on those things that I that I learned. So basketball-wise, I didn't think it was going to be much of a of a downhill, considering I came from one of the best teams in Europe. Um, and then academically, I think it was a big part too. Uh, like I said, they treat student athletes so well. I think uh, at least I don't know how it works on the on England, but um, or the UK, but in Spain, uh, being an athlete and kind of following a a university uh, degree is really hard. You know, not all teachers understand that we're gone three weeks at a time and almost every couple of months. So in the U S they really adapt to it. They're used to it. They kind of encourage people taking sports and uh, following a career. So I think that that's, that was the ultimate factor. And of course the, the arena and the locker rooms were pretty cool too. And would you find there was a big difference between the coaching you got in the Spanish league versus going to college in terms of long-term versus short-term development, because my experience of the coaching in the Spanish league, although it's, it, it's some of it's quite good. You're kind of being coached for six 30 on a Saturday. Like mm-hmm. you're not being coached for three years time. Oh yeah. Have you found, have you found that's been helpful? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, kind of had to work on the fundamentals again. And, you know, I was used to, like you said, in the union, we had like, 
20 minutes of warm up and then an hour and 30 minutes of just 5v5 the whole time and we stopped it like once or twice every every day so it was just continuous 5v5 and all that and i think that kind of you know especially for for us young players and developing players i think it's also good to have something like the UB academy which i think you guys work on it a lot a lot of your skills and kind of mm -hmm. the basics just you know getting angles getting physically able and you know kind of getting to know your chair before you start getting into the the 5v5. So, you know, when I went to Alabama, it's kind of one of the things that surprised me the most, uh, the way they train. And um, I think it's I think it's very good for young players, uh, like college students to start learning all those things and having, you know, we also, of course, had the scrimmages and, and all the cool things that, you know, kind of we live for. Uh, it's kind of more boring to do the... Yeah fundamentals the physical and all that but it's completely necessary and i saw big steps in uh in that too in my game personally in terms of that stuff did you find that obviously alabama you know made the effort to bring you in on a recruitment visit they presumably do the same for various other players throughout the year do you find the style of play with the team you've got in alabama is more diverse than it would be in somewhere like Illunion, where you're playing a, a very Terry-centric style, do you have you learned things from your teammates that you think you maybe wouldn't have oh, done? Oh yeah, Illunion? absolutely. I mean, the, the thing about college is it rotates constantly because you know once guys graduate, there's new guys coming in every year. There's older guys that graduate every year, so there's there's a lot of new systems that we work. You know, my first year we had Michael Aubrens, uh, Dequel Robinson, who played in France for one year. Uh, and then a bunch of other guys that have a good chance of making it to the USA team and to their uh, national teams. But, you know, with Oppie on the team and and all those guys, I had to play also a bit of a minor role. But, and, uh, we, you know, we played with three bigs and two littles, but I haven't played with three bigs and two littles in Alabama since then. So, you know, it's, again, adapting. <laughs> I keep saying it, but <laughs> it keeps coming back to me. Uh, yeah, but especially there, you know, with all those guys that, are, you know, now we have Peter Berry, who's, a freaking machine you know he's a he's crazy he works every day like like nobody else and you have to just you know you don't know where it's coming there's so much talent that comes and you know there's players that improve so much you know they, they could come in as an underdog and then there's all this development and all this training that happens with fundamentals and once they get it they become so much better so you never know who's going to step up and actually take a bigger role so yeah definitely definitely playing different systems helps nice do you ever regret not being around to play as a three in the Spanish league? Or is that just something that your club regrets? Because I'm sure they do, obviously. Is that is that something that you're like, <laughs> oh man, that would have been a lot of fun to go four, five, four, me, two, one? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. it's pretty challenging, you know, when they when they give you all this uh of course, you know, club teams they uh, you know, they offer you all these things and, you know, playing as a three can be really fun. You know, there's a lot of less responsibility as a, as a three than as a four. Uh, so, you know, kind of has yeah, a plus and minus is sometimes, you know, watching, I follow the league a lot and you're like, damn, you know, there's, it was so fun to go back there and uh, play with all these guys and uh, play such a different role as a, as a three. But, you know, I've still got two more years as a three. So if I finish, my master's this year, I still have one more. Uh, my, my birthday's in October, so if the league is normally, I have two more years. <laughs> cool. Okay. That 
That's when you know the Spanish League Junior rule has gone too far, is when people can go away, finish college, come back, and still Your get Masters in. as well. <laughs> yeah. What What are you doing your Masters in? I'm doing uh, sports hospitality. Well, best of luck with finishing that, man. And I guess this leads us on to our next question, because we've got here, will we be seeing you at Illunion again when you're done studying in America, or are you going to give other club teams the chance um... to pitch you? I'm open to anything. Of course, uh, Illunion has a special place in my heart. You know, it's uh, close to home and, you know, I grew up on it. But I also, you know, love to see different cities, different cultures. And, you know, I'm open to any, to any other teams or any offers that come by. Um, you know, there's also different uh, places that I want to go and people that I want to play with. So I'm not close to I'm not close to anything. Uh, you know, I think that depending on the circumstances, I think it's going to it's going to matter right now. I haven't really decided on what I'm going to do. The last time somebody gave us a statement like that, and this this is a Illunion-centric story anyway, but the last time somebody gave us a statement like that, we got told the day after the episode came out that Illunion's coach had got in touch and been like, well, you're welcome to come here if you want to. So you, you've effectively just put out your own, um, your own scouting report here and been like, hey, sign me up, so we'll see what comes in. I'll give you a percentage of the cash. Oh, God, I... I don't think you needed us to come and ask you questions for people to be sending you messages in a year's time. But yeah. So just thinking very generally about your time in Alabama so far, uh, are there any things that stick out as highlights, whether that be on court or just as an, as a student athlete? Oh, I think it's, I think it's really fun. I think it's really fun. You know, the, the whole university uh, experience and being a student, you know, as a normal student, it's it's great. And like I said, being a student athlete is also amazing. I, I didn't think it was going to be this, uh, not easy, but this manageable, you know. And uh, as long as you're willing to work and uh, and, you, and you know what you want, of course, if you're partying all day and, uh, you know, don't really doing anything for studies, you're not going to get anything done. But, you know, you can kind of uh, adapt again. Here you go. <laughs> the word of the day. So the name of that. Podcast is Pinch Ortega adapt. Yeah. <laughs> if you can really manage to, you know, keep all everything in line, you know, social life, sports and studies, it's I think it's I can't I, like you said, do I regret it? I don't I think I'll make the decision again a thousand times. I had a great time and yeah. you know, of course the time comes to an end and it starts getting a little uh, you know, repetitive and you know, like I said, I wanna see I wanna see more and, and you know, experience more of uh, the pro league and see what's out there. But, you know, the time that I spent here is great. And, you know, being a student and an athlete and, uh, you know, having an arena to yourself is also great. And, you know, all the people that work for the team. Yeah. I think the, the the American culture on uh, wheelchair basketball and college basketball is, is crazy. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's ultimately it's a thing that very few players get to experience. So we had a question in our little rundown here about would you recommend it for anybody who was looking at it as an option? I think everything yeah. you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I deleted the question off the Google doc as you were speaking. Cause I was like, yeah. Um... Yeah. I kind of felt it pretty well before that. <laughs> right. Shall we shift on and we'll talk about the whole reason you're here, Pinchin? not the whole reason you're here. Cause we did want to hear fan. about you as well. But <laughs> we are, are going to talk, um, about the upcoming under 23 world championships which are coming up in thailand but just before we do that little bit of background on you so you 
have been in the Spanish junior team and Spanish senior team at this point. But what was your first taste of the the international stage? Uh, my first appearance for the U23s was in uh, Lignano. I think it was 2017. It was right before Hamburg. Yeah, and we came in seventh that year. So I think we had an average of like 18 years on that team. Like everybody was, you know, we has. I think Efe Turk was in that team from the Turkish team. Greg was in the English team. Billy Bridge, uh, Lewis Edward. So we were just a bunch of little guys <laughs> trying to trying to hoop and uh, and learn together. But you know, like you look at that lineup and our starting lineup from uh, from those years from like four or five years ago is the same lineup that we have this year yeah. in the starting. So we played, we got to play together in so much, and we've seen everything. You know, we went from being the the second to last team in the seventh place on the on the 2017 uh, U23s European to winning it uh, yeah. just last year. And um, yeah. so, yeah, I think it's been great. It's been such a journey, you know, with all the same guys and got to grow together, you know, uh, play with Manu since we could almost start talking and start playing basketball together and Oscar and all those guys. So, you know, we, we really got a, a good bond and understand each other well. Yeah. And then for the men's team, uh, it was also 2017 with the with the World Cup in Hamburg. That that's funny because I remember I was at that tournament, your first junior tournament. That was my second last tournament because I'm an old man, and I I think that was the first time I ever remember. I might have seen him before, but it was the first time I ever remember seeing Oscar and Rubia, and I was like, "What is this guy? And how could he?" Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's funny <laughs> because now like I know the rest of that five. Like I've played with Raúl. I play with Manu currently. Like. It's funny that it's like, that's a really weird thing. I think about wheelchair basketball, you come across these guys and like, you'll play with people in club or in college or whatever. And they'd be like, yeah, we were both at that tournament seven years ago and we didn't know each other. That was weird. Like that's such an interesting one. But I remember, I like, I remember just specifically being like, how can Oscar and Rubia do all of that? He doesn't have any fingers. <laughs> Absolutely. I think everybody has the same reaction when they see Oscar. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, to see that guy train every day, he's, the, he's probably the fastest on the court, mm. the, one of the best shooters. He can, you know, he's really smart too. Like, sometimes he gets in his own head and kind of loses the game just like just like myself. You know, we're too fire. We got the Spanish blood in us. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we can get a little too off the game, you know, by some, uh, some other things. But, you know, when he's focused, he's crazy. He can defend and attack like nobody. Yeah, yeah. I think he's an interesting one because you see. I think we even talked about this as we were covering the, you know, the leagues week by week. But even during the season, this past season, you see teams underestimating Oscar and leaving him open and stuff like that. And it's like, it get. I know he doesn't look the typical. Yeah, how is the guy with no fingers gonna shoot that well? Yeah. and it's like, and he teaches you every time. Yeah. yeah, but people underestimate him, and it's like, guys, okay, I, I get. He doesn't have any fingers, but he's also made five shots in a row. Like <laughs> we, we have to. Yeah. You gotta learn someday. He shoots like high forties or fifty percent on spot ups for the best team mm-hmm. in Europe. <laughs> like, yeah, like the best team in Europe throws him the ball on the free throw line, and he yeah. makes mm-hmm. half of them. Like they've obviously figured. That's it. a big red flag. Yeah. yeah, if the best team in Europe gets involved that much, maybe he's a shooter. Yeah, he might <laughs> be. All he's right, got something in the yeah. bag. He's wild, man. I don't. I didn't really talk to him back then, but I'd love to know if he was just the same guy as he is now because he's a lot of fun, man. He's a good. Guy. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's a great. He's the best. Yeah. on and off the court, 
I think it's an interesting point you made about you guys coming seventh, you know, your first first time out and then going back to winning the um, under-22 Euros last, was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, last year. And I think it's an interesting thing you kind of see in the juniors that you don't see in the seniors where groups kind of come in young together like you guys did and look you know there's no obvious potential there and then you look five years on and it's like oh these kids are all adults now and then it's it's almost similar to what you mentioned with college you know guys cycling in and cycling out but it's almost like teams cycle in and out and I think basically whoever is peaking as the world championships come round tends to be the oldest team in the competition I think that's more or less always the way it's been but was there any sense with you guys when you finished seventh obviously you're all part of your club teams and you know you know you've got good training to go back to and chance to improve was there any sense of hey you know just give us give us three or four years and and we're going to be the best team in Europe and the favorites in the world championships or was would that seem unthinkable now no I think it was you're absolutely right. I mean, as soon as we got that seventh place and we, you know, we kind of came off a bad start because before our generation, uh, we couldn't really, you know, kind of take off either. We were also uh, kind of in, the, in those few last spots. So, you know, we we were so young and we had all this energy and kind of will to to become better and to make the, the Spanish team, you know, take it where, where it belongs. So, you know, I think it was a big step for us to, you know, fight against better teams and actually, you know, put up a, a big name and be like, hey, we're we're 17 or 16 fighting against, you know, 22, 23-year-olds, but we're, we're, we're doing our best and we're going to be here for a while. So, you know, I think in every in every camp after that, and we still say it to this day, we're like seventh in Europe. <laughs> so you know, that kind of lit up the fire in us. <laughs> yeah. Kind of reminds me a little bit about like we had a, we didn't come seventh, but we had that generation of juniors that's now kind of the majority of our men's team where a lot of guys dropped out. And then the next team was like Harry Brown, Phil Pratt, George Bates, Greg Warburton. Uh, um, Billy Bridges Billy, in there as well. Yeah. Um, Jim Palmer sitting beside me. Um, and, oh, hey, Jim. And he's got his headphones on. And like me holding water <laughs> bottles and waving towels. And it's that thing of like, there's something about going through that experience as a group at 16, 17, that when you're still there in the men's squad 10 years later, you're like, hey, we're we're really close because of the experiences we've had. And maybe even losing games kind of galvanizes things a little bit, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes a good loss can put you in the right place, you know, for their, for later on getting, getting the best wins. Yeah. Sure. And it makes it feel so much better when you do. And plus, you guys are all juniors, but you also had Manu, who has been 35 years old for like the last 23 seasons now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy, I think he's going to stay the same for a good four years. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like, I don't know how many guests we've had on this podcast, but where we've like, who may have known Manu or like played with him or whatever, where we've been like, how old actually is this guy? Because he's been... He's had his he's been the big forever. Yeah, he's been he's been through everything. He went to Bigo, Bilbao. I think I think he's done everything. Oh yeah, if you can survive Bilbao, man, he's he's good. <laughs> yeah, he's fun. I love I love Manu, and there's a lot of times that I'm like, 
oh yeah you're you're 21 like i was an idiot when i was 21 man like him doing what he can do and like playing in what is a high pressure club to play in like there's a lot there's a lot of voices and there's a lot of people that care about that team like taking on that level of pressure is a lot for someone who is still quite young and i think it says a lot about the maturity that he has that i forget that he's still a young man yeah shall we talk about the tournament coming up then i had to google how to spell how to pronounce this but the under 23 world championships taking place in phuket in thailand as we've kind of been over pincho you guys are very much the favorites going into this tournament i would say based on your performance in the europeans and the fact that you're essentially rolling out a bunch of guys who all play on full-time professional contracts or in your case would be if you weren't being a, a fully funded student athlete um you guys are coming in as the favorites is this kind of this chance to you know fully climb the mountaintop from your seventh place place finish you mentioned but what's the the pressure like coming in as the favorites for this tournament if you even see yourself as the favorites or if you would tell me that i'm wrong um, I mean, I think there's a bunch of good teams that are coming up right now. I mean, you see teams like Israel that have grown so much. I mean, has taken a great responsibility. And, you know, I know he works every day to, to know. And all the teams kind of work every day to to beat us. And like you said, we, we won the Europeans with such a big margin. So almost every game, you know, we won the final about almost 40. Yeah. So we're, you know, it put a big target on our backs and, you know, we've always had the the goal of, of course, winning the Europeans. But then the ultimate goal was to win the the world champs. And as soon as we finished with the Europeans, you know, we didn't celebrate much. We're like, all right, we have one more thing to do, and then we can celebrate all we want. Yeah. And you know, it's a lot tougher. You know, of course, when you come in seventh and then you play against that team, you're not gonna be as worried as you are when you play um, the, the 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 European champion. And you know, I'm sure James can relate. You know, everybody wants to be GP, and everybody wants to be Bilbao. Uh, yeah, that's just because people don't like us, man. That's not because we're good. <laughs> just because there's like five guys that people don't like. Um, so you guys played a tournament recently in Turkey, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And you you lost a game or two, right? Uh, but you didn't have a full team. Was Manu not there? Or that's what yeah, Manu wasn't there. Okay, so how does that make you guys feel? Obviously. Losing a game going into a tournament full stop isn't great, but like knowing that it wasn't a full squad, like does it still it does it still sting or do you feel do you feel good going into the big the big tournament? Yeah, I mean of of course it stings. I mean we're we're all super competitive in this team and I don't think anybody likes losing, even even the circumstances weren't the best. Uh you know, we lost Alejandro too, Alejandro Garcia from uh, from last year. He was a big part of the team, oh, and yeah. uh, he's not coming back this year, unfortunately. But you know, I think I know we're ready uh, with with Manu and uh, and with the full team. I, I know we're ready. Uh, we also hadn't been in camp for almost a year before that tournament, mm -hmm. so you know, we we kind of see in the Germany game that we were kind of readjusting to adapting to. <laughs> uh, to <laughs> To the new, uh, you know, to the new, to the new, the new way that the team had to play, and you know, we have to be ready. Even though Manu's, you know, one of the key guys to our to our game and to our team, we have to be ready for him to, you know, either fall out or have some personal things or, you know, whatever the situation is. Just like the team has to be ready for me and or any other guy, you know, uh, 
so it was good for us to play without him and you know kind of you know adapt to the game and uh, to the circumstances but even though we lost i don't think we had the the worst feeling in the world like it didn't stink as much because i know we played great the first game against germany just the ball wouldn't go in the basket like for anybody and i think that uh you know that time off without the without us playing together kind of showed and uh, but you know we were getting the good shots that we wanted. We were getting the the defense kind of down. Um, so yeah, I think it was like I said. Sometimes it's good to take a loss just to you know come back and uh, and take the the win. I think we should point out on that one as well that Germany are a hell of a team in their own right, and they've obviously got guys who are playing you know in the German league and are going up against world class players you know week in week out. So they're maybe not to the same scale as you guys are, but they're certainly not a team that anyone would be surprised that you know yourselves could lose it could drop a game to or you know germany are very much in the contending status of the tournament i would have thought yeah absolutely i think this you know this whole world championships has a bunch of teams that you can underestimate at all and we have the usa who is who always has a good team and then you know australia has a good team japan it's kind of like a secret i don't know if anybody knows anything about japan really this was actually what we were going to ask. Uh, you've kind of stumbled onto it. It was a little bit further down our questions, but we were going to say this is obviously, you know, there's been COVID, there's been the Europeans where there was a couple of countries didn't send teams. I know GB didn't send their junior team, for example. I think that's been the case in a couple of the qualifying competitions around the world. So how has it been for you guys to try and, you know, measure up your opponents based on what you know about them and even considering the fact that like you yourself have been away in the USA, you know, you might have seen some of the USA players in your your college games, but you've not been around your own guys and, you know, there's all that stuff to balance in. So do you feel prepared going into the tournament or do you think you're going to have to adapt on the fly to borrow your word? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a bit of both. I think we'll we'll try to do uh, our best to be prepared, but you can never really be prepared, especially for these under twenty two teams. You never know who's gonna be uh, that role guy that kind of nobody knows. Like, like I said, Japan. I don't think anybody has any tape of any Japan game for the U twenty threes from the last four years. Like, it's crazy. And you know, you see Chogai going off in Tokyo, and uh, a couple of other guys being in the squad too. So, that that's kind of a team that everybody has to be. Kept, you know, kind of uh, taken care of. So uh, you just can't underestimate anybody in this league. You know, you have Turkish guys like Gunaydin who can, you know, shoot shoot mismatches all day and score. So you can you can't really get uh get your get your feet up the pedal. You you have to really always be careful and and prepare as much as possible. I'm sure the coaches have done a great job in uh scouting and uh you know kind of realizing what other teams are looking like, but. It's going to be up on us, too, to see how they play and how they adapt to us. Because I'm sure, as we did, all the teams are going to look at the Europeans and what our style of playing is and what each of us like to do. So, you know, we have to be ready for them and, and for them to be prepared for us. Uh, and do you know much about the USA team, having been in college? Like, do you know the majority of the guys there? Oh, yeah. Uh, the coach for Bertram is also my coach for the for the Alabama wheelchair team, so... It's going to be a good battle. Yeah, I hope we see them uh, at some point. I think, you know, it's going to be a great game. You know, Peter Berry is, uh, is my guy. Aaron Berry is also there. Sean Doss. So there's a couple of guys that I share court with the whole year, you know. So it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be fun if we get to play against them and 
and all the other guys I know too from college basketball and uh or or their you know future prospects like Tim that just came from high school so a younger guy uh so yeah I think I think it's an advantage for me to, to kind of uh be in Alabama and get to a kind of personally scout those and I'm sure the coach if we actually get to see them will be we'll be having a meeting <laughs> have you got your notebook at the ready with you all of your some tape of, uh, some clips <laughs> um yeah so just looking at as much as you know about the other teams if you had to pick a small group of teams that are actually contenders to win the whole thing apart from yourselves who would you put in that group I think, like you guys said, Germany can put up a really good fight. Uh, they have some big guys that can really do some damage. Um, I think Turkey is a big contender as well. Uh, I think we're, when all their guys are on the same page and and they play team basketball, they're really dangerous. They have a good mix of you know roles going on. Uh, I think uh, I'm not going to try pronouncing the name, so I'm just going to Given my numbers, yeah. <laughs> uh, number five can really carry the ball and shoot, you know, shoot outside very well and distribute incredibly well. And then 25 can really, you know, follow seals great and finish on the weak side. And then Gunaidin has, you know, he's been shooting mismatches since he was born probably. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's really hard to play defense on them. And I think they're going to be a, uh, a pretty underestimated team that's going to be ending up in the top. And like I said, Israel – uh, some great guys too that have been working, uh, have been working together for a very long time, kind of like us. You know, they they kind of had the same squad for many years, so they kind of know uh, how each other play very well. Um, and then, kind of Japan is the big question. We don't know where they're going to end up. Uh, Australia looks like they're going to be pretty good. USA is always a big contender. So yeah, we'll just we'll have to see. We'll have to be prepared for what comes away and and adapt to the. <laughs> To, to what we face. It's an interesting one. Obviously, myself and James are both, I think we've like hit the point in our lives where we've just decided or had decided that we didn't think watching the junior stuff mattered to us anymore because we're like, oh, we're old now. We can't follow what the kids are up to. But as it gets close and you list these teams off, it I think this might be as deep as the world has ever been in terms of how many teams are in the top tier. I think in past instances of the World Championships, there's been maybe three to four contending teams and then like a big drop-off after that. But I think from what you're, the teams you've listed and kind of the guys you've mentioned, there's like six to seven legit contending teams this time out. I don't know if that's the standard of world wheelchair basketball, you know, gradually getting better in some of the countries or the fact that Turkey seemingly ignore the stuff we said about how it all goes in cycles and they just have a factory where they print out 4.5s who shoot mismatches every single year but this must be you guys are obviously the favorites but if you do this you're potentially the winners of you know what could be one of the toughest world championships that we've ever seen at the junior level i don't know if that is on your mind at all or if you're just like hey let's get to the tournament and take care of business yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think it's it's great for not only the U23s but for future of basketball. I think you know having all these young guys pushing into the to the older guys and to the veterans, and you know being at this high level, like you know most of the guys that I named are also on the on the national team, and you know starting to get some minutes. I know Gunaydin have been uh, has been playing some good time for Turkey. So yeah, I think it's I think it's great to have more competition. I mean, the more the better. The the, the more fun is going to be. And could you? 
predict if you like do you have anyone in your head that you think might have a breakout tournament i've I've got two and they're both just like guys that i like (laughs) (laughs) uh well i mean from my team i think oscar is gonna kill it of course like you said people you know people who don't know much about him uh kind of underestimate him and as soon as you put your hand down he's gonna he's gonna shoot that ball and he's gonna make it so i think i think he's gonna kill it and i mean i I know all the guys in my team are going to kill it. I think uh, Adrian Garcia is also going to get some good minutes that he didn't get last year. Mm-hmm. And he's improved so much. And I think he's going to show everybody, you know, how, how talented he is. Yeah. And he's one of our youngest players, too. He's kind of a, uh, kind of the younger generation from Spanish team. And then from other teams, I think Amit's going to be doing well. I know he's been, uh, he's been working to get there. So uh, I know he's going to want to show off. <laughs> I'm calling Raul Vega to just go nuts for a full tournament just because I like him a lot. <laughs> I'll just pick teammates like mostly, yeah. or Biel Carbo to just run like 20 points a game in on like breakaway layups because that's what he did when he came to us. Don't give out too much of our plan. No? Don't talk too much about it. Although that's, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about guys that there is actually tape available for. Like these guys all play in the best league in the world. Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. My my breakout candidate would have been Lachlan Dalton from Australia, but I think he's well and truly on the record now after the um the Commonwealth game <laughs> games winner that he hit. Oh yeah. Did you? I don't. I don't know how much any of that made it like outside of the UK or anything, Pincho. But did you see the shot? We. With... Oh yeah, I saw it absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the last second three pointer. Two pointer, as they call it, in the three on three game. Crash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty rad. I wasn't. That wasn't too bad. I think. I think all the wheelchair basketball players or basketball players at all want to dream of having that shot. Sure, yeah, that's <laughs> nuts, man. Like having played there, like hitting that shot in front of three thousand people would would have been would have been real special. Oh yeah, for did sure. Pincho, does, Pincho doesn't get out of bed for three thousand people, man. That's not even like one stand in the Alabama <laughs> stadium. Come on, Alabama, we got to fill up the stadium. And could you predict the medal positions for this tournament if you had to? Or do you not want to rock the boat? Oh, I'll go in. I don't mind. Do it. Uh, Do it. I respect it. I mean, I got to put Spain at first. I know it's going to put a lot of targets in her back. And I know it's it's not going to be an easy easy path at all. Uh, But I I still trust in this team. I think we showed what we're capable of. Uh, And, you know, we're still still putting Spania number one. I think Europeans are going to be very, very at the top. Uh, I think uh, between Turkey and Germany for the second and third. Uh, I think, you know, whatever. I think, you know, in the the last tournament, like you said, in Turkey, they played and they were really tight. Uh, I think Turkey won on the the last one, but, you know, it can go either way. It was a very close game. And then, yeah, I think think that's going to be the the top three, the the top three Europeans. Awesome. So basically, what you're saying is we've already seen the result of this tournament in your, in your guys' warm up that you did. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that's not the way, the same way as they did last year. But again, it's been a year and almost a half. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, a lot of players got better. A lot of people, like I said, have, you know, have taken it personal, like we did when we got seventh. A lot of people take it personally and kind of, you know, work towards a wall, a goal. Definitely. Yeah. And some people might have gotten worse. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> that too that too wow. um, 
All right. So I had an interesting question about the strength of your junior team um, developing over the years. Do you think how good your team is having a load of guys that play in the top league in Spain proves that stuff like the junior point reduction is useful or does it prove that the maybe that the one Spanish player rule that may be coming into play next year isn't necessary? Maybe this is stuff that you don't want to rock the boat on, but these are things that I find interesting because I think I think it's common knowledge at this point that Spain is introducing a one Spanish person on the court at all times rule. And I find it really interesting that they will do it over this summer that the maybe the best junior Spanish junior team since 09 playing in the world championships. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of difficult. You know, I can see both points uh with that rule, you know, kind of see the pros and the cons. Uh, I think I don't I don't know if it's a coincidence. Uh, I think it is because I think it's uh, been on the point of mind of the federation for many years. I know there's been a lot of talk about it for as long as I I played in the pro leagues. Uh, so I'm not I'm not sure what their decision was on making it just this year that we kind of showed how talented we were and you know kind of what we gave on the court, but. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I couldn't couldn't tell you. Perhaps you guys are proof that not being like handed court time, but getting good court time in the best league in the world against the best players in the world, regardless of passports, is maybe the way forward. I think it it's worth thinking about just because the contrast is like Italy, where they brought in the one Italian player rule, for example, and it didn't really do anything for them because the process of your young guys earning the minutes is like more valuable to their development as a player than being handed the minutes. And, you know, you have to play X number of minutes in the game to make our team work. And yeah, it seems, I mean, Italy only seem to be just getting out of it now and they've probably got their strongest men's team at the moment that they've had in the last like 10 plus years at this point. So It'll be interesting to see what the long-term effects are for, for Spain. But as you say, Pincho, you um you could finish college, come back, still be a junior, and be your team's Spanish player on court. So it can't possibly go badly for you, right? <laughs> hopefully, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully the otter... people remember that when they write you messages to ask if you like play for their team. And we get our percentage. All right, show me <laughs> questions from the listeners. All right, go ahead. You can start. Okay, so this one was written by our dear friend Mendel Optinorth, and he has caveated this by saying he thinks he might be incorrect on this one. If he is incorrect, then please don't ask the question. Can I just interrupt and say that I think Mendel has written this from my house. He's in my house currently, and I'm not. That's hilarious if that's if that's what's happened. I love that. I hope that's the case. Mendel, if you're listening, please tell me if that's the case. So Mandel has asked, he believes that at one point, Pincho, you were classified as a 3-0 and that you were classified up to a 4-0. Is that correct? No, it was a 3-5. 3-5, okay. The yeah. question stands on. So you, I think you touched on this a little bit earlier uh, when you said about how there's like responsibilities of playing at different classifications. How did you find your responsibility changed and your game changed when you had to deal with being classified up? I think it did a lot. I mean, of course, uh, you know, having that uh, extra 0.5 is going to is gonna have to do a lot for the 
for your game and and to each and to each person's game. So, uh, I think it's. I mean, at that point, I didn't really pay much minutes. Like I, I was in the Lunian, so it didn't really matter if I was a uh, you know with the reduction if I was a two five or a three to them. You know, I was yeah. I was still gonna get the same minutes almost, but yeah. Uh, but I mean, it was it was something I was in my mind that could happen at any time. So you know, I don't think in Illunion they were they really heard about it, or you know, I was I wasn't really heard about it. You know, I just I knew I, I was gonna still work like I was before, and you know, try to be the best that I could. And you know, those things like classifications aren't really on on anybody's hands, but the people that qualified. So you know, you just gotta keep doing your work and trying to do the best for the team and for yourself. Exactly. All right. Next question. Uh, which of the Spanish guys do you keep in touch with the most while you're in the USA? I talk to a bunch of them, especially the the young guys, the U23s. I talk to uh, talk to Pablo Lavandera a lot. I talk to Oscar from time to time, uh, and the Tartuelas uh, also. You know, there's uh, we also have some good talks while we're there, and you know, we kind of uh, you know, talk about each other and worry about each other, and you know, see how things are going. They always check in and uh, you know, ask how everything is going. Yeah, so, yeah I think. You know, I think we have a great relationship in the men's team and the U23s. And, uh, you know, I think I think as long as we keep that going, the connection on the court is going to show as well. You've, you've mentioned the Zazuelas a couple of times as, like, mentors to you. It, mm-hmm. We're obviously through the question about where you were guaranteed to return to Illunion when you come back to, to Europe. But would it be strange for you to go back to Illunion and neither of the Zazuelas be there? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the the first time that I went back was after the COVID year, which, you know, the the university was fully online. So I stayed in Spain and played for a couple of months with Illunion. And, you know, to see Rafa, Rafa and Carlos Vera leaving, those are the, the two captains when I was uh, the younger guy. It was a completely different team and, uh, you know, kind of felt weird. But, you know, now seeing Pablo gone and, you know, when, when Ali left, it was also a big shock. And now seeing Pablo gone as well, it's going to be, it's definitely going to be different, but... Uh, you know, it is what it is. It's basketball on the end of the day. And, uh, you know, these things happen. So, uh, you know, it's still still a union, still still uh, the home club. So, yeah. you know, you just got to move forward. Well, so you're not going to come back and play for Las Rosas with all the old fellas then? Maybe, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> you, the way you play, you could not play with Las Rosas. You'd be like flying around. They'd be like, hey, no, we play really, really, really slowly. <laughs> like, a system here no i'm more of a, i'm more anarchic i'm more let's break it <laughs> yeah i i'd love I, I in my head i imagine that somewhere in the last rosas gym they just have like 23.9 written on a board somewhere just in permanent marker <laughs> just be like hey we have exactly this amount of time every time we touch the ball don't worry about it <laughs> all right next question mark yeah so this one is who is your favorite female wheelchair basketball player Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I think um, I might pronounce it wrong. Mariska from, from the Netherlands. Yeah. I think she's incredibly strong and, you know, just so good to watch uh, and so uh, kind of potent. So, so dominant. Uh, so I think it's it's really fun to watch her and, and uh, watch the whole Netherlands team. I think they have a great group and combination. I mean, I mean, it showed over the years they won so many goals yeah. and so many tournaments. And, you know, uh, I think Mariska is one of the, the most dominant and most fun players to watch. Yeah, completely agree. And last one, James, if you want to take us home. 
We normally give the belt out in the season, as you might know, as someone who's apparently a huge fan, (laughs) to the best performance of the week. But since no one's playing basketball yet, we're just letting our guests give the belt out to whoever they feel like. So who gets the belt? (laughs) Who gets the belt? Mm. This is just so we can tag someone on Instagram for the sake of interactions so like please choose someone with instagram and if yeah if they're if they're like what have i done to deserve this we now get to be like well it wasn't us it was pincho <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna get a couple messages after this <laughs> that's almost good ones <laughs> now uh since we talked about him a couple of times oscar i think he's uh he's one of the you know one of the, the best guys that we have and he's gonna he's definitely just starting up now he's got a lot to show so let's give him the belt Awesome, nice. Cool. He's got that swagger in him too, so he might show it off. <laughs> oh, we need to make a real belt. That'll be so much fun. It would be such a hassle. I got a word after. Yeah, but that would be such a hassle to get it posted from like Germany to Spain. Oh yeah, that'd be, that'd we can't bad. rely on that. But yeah, if you know, if you win at any point, Pincho, you can have it when you get back from Alabama because we're not posting it over there. <laughs> yeah, leave it in the mail here in Spain. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'll just drive it down from Bilbao. Cool. <laughs> we'll get out of here. Pincho, thank you for joining us, man. Best of luck in Thailand. We really look forward to watching you guys. And yeah, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you, guys. It was great. It was really fun. Thanks, man. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back uh, next week, probably, with yeah more of the same. Thanks very much. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Peace.